I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Luxury Week is made possible by the John Varvatos Dark Rebel Collection. Hi, I'm Ankita Rai. I'm an associate editor at Motherboard. And I'm Kaylee Rogers. I'm a staff writer at Motherboard. And today we're going to be talking about Luxury Week, which is a themed week that we had recently. All of our stories had to do with luxury, saving time, and the very wealthy, convenience, and how technology and different things make their lives so much easier than the rest of us scum. We also had a Luxury Week video where I go to talk to Jeff Moore and Stephanie Davis of Virtual Experience. The idea for the company came when my wife and I were shopping for a home, and it was frustrating to look online and find limited tools, uh, floor plans and those weird fisheye photos, and we realized quickly that we wanted something that would help us, empower us really, to explore real estate in a more efficient and practical way. So we're talking seven, ten million dollar apartments that you can actually just use VR to see, and it's supposed to help people buy these properties by looking at what they're going to look like in the future. I just went up the stairs backwards. Oh my so gosh. To go, so go back down those steps, we're not ready for I upstairs I just yet. Got super tall. Okay. <laughs> Stay off the stairs. You're doing great. This is luxury real estate. It's the closest you're going to get to experience in the future without docking the DeLorean. It's a time and convenience function, just same as ordering off of an online retailer. And if you could then go to an office with your agent and sit down and look through dozens of properties within minutes, that's the savings of hours and days. So when we go to create a project, we start with a floor plan from the client and we create the walls, we create the floors. It's all CGI, so we start with a blank black universe and everything that you see in it is our custom creation. We price out at about a dollar to three dollars per square foot of visualized space, and that includes an entire visualization package of 2D renderings and interactive experience with the Oculus Rift and HTC Vive. Right now, VR is used for luxury properties that haven't been completed yet. It's also made for foreign buyers who don't necessarily want to fly in from Dubai or Hong Kong to check out a new investment. To see how this works, we looked at 34 Prince Street, a building in Manhattan with apartments starting at $7 million. It's still under construction, but ready to be sold to the highest bidder. This is a 2D rendering of the Prince Street property, so none of this is actually real, but it's just supposed to show exactly what somebody would be getting. Now, this is a work in progress, so you're going to get a sense of before we've actually finished it. This is sort of one of the first stages. So this is the front door, which will be a front door that you oh, can't go through. Oh, God. You're doing totally You're doing awesome. <laughs> I didn't play video games as a kid, and now I regret it. Are you ready to I'm, ride the rift? I'm so ready. Let's do it. Okay. So just get that on nice and snug. Okay. So slowly, what I want you to do is look around. Yeah. Just make sure I don't bump into anything in real life. Got Feels it. a little like Mario Kart. Oh, I love Mario Kart. I played oh, a lot of that in college. Boy. 
So I'm looking around the living room. There's a really cool painting, some sort of modern art painting. The most surprising thing is how much you get a sense of the space here and also how clear the textures are. I feel like when real estate agents, no offense, Stephanie, sometimes show you pictures and things, they look a lot bigger than they actually are when you get there. Well, I completely agree with you. Yep. Oh gosh, I can't get through this door though. Touring an apartment in virtual reality can have its drawbacks. The biggest being that even touring one space made me feel nauseated, a common side effect of VR. To see how the virtual tour compared to the real thing, I met with Javier, a realtor from Time Equities who's in charge of selling the units at 34 Prince Street. This is your kitchen area. Okay, I remember going through this. So you have beautiful views. This neighborhood is definitely better than I thought it was going to be in VR. So <laughs> that's definitely a, a benefit of real life. <laughs> yes. How much did it cost your company to use the service like the VR? VR experience? This apartment is 3,757 square feet. Okay. Um, so, you Maybe know, 10K. Probably something around that, uh, but I think it's worth it. Virtual reality could help investors looking to accumulate more square footage. And it's a different way to visualize a place that hasn't been built yet. But the technology still doesn't quite replace the experience of seeing a building in person. We definitely envision this going um, into the everyday market, $200,000 homes. There are tons of applications and we see a, a big bright future for virtual reality, for real estate. So this is only the beginning of where you're going to see virtual reality in our lives. So I wrote about therapists for the rich. I went and actually had a session with a therapist who caters to the wealthy. It was $450 an hour, which is actually kind of cheap compared to some of the therapists I talked to. There was one dude that charges $1,000 for 45 minutes. So I basically wanted two things. I wanted to compare what it's like to go to a fancy rich therapist. Is it like actually better? And also to kind of get to the bottom of why there's such a discrepancy between access to healthcare for people who are lower income and the fact that people who are lower income are more likely to face more serious mental health issues. Obviously, anybody can can have serious mental health illnesses, but people from lower income are, are just disproportionately affected and they're also less likely to be able to receive care in the United States. So I was taking a look at why that is and having some fun with it at the same time with this sort of really rich guy. Not that he's rich, but, you know, rich caters to the rich guy therapist. Do you think that you were surprised by either your story or any of the other Luxury Week stories in terms of just people with lots of money? I know that prior to this week, we had talked a lot about how the biggest luxury that comes with being wealthy is time. So you can afford to sort of buy time or you can afford to outsource things that you don't want to do. I mean, you can be working and maybe you're running a business so you need to do that or you're just very luxurious and want to spend all your time on the beach, you can do that. So all the different angles that we came at, it really did come down to time in a lot of ways. So like my therapist story, you have the luxury of being able to find the right therapist that works for you and, and whoever that may be. And you can afford the time to go see them in the time that works for you. And you can afford to fly across the country and spend an hour with somebody in San Francisco if you think that they're the best person for you. Whereas if you're, you know, on Medicaid, you just have to get the therapist that you can get. 
and whatever therapy they offer. And maybe you don't even have the time to go see them because they only have hours from nine to five and you have to be at work during that time. So it really is how time sort of opens all these doors to access all kinds of things from therapy to uh, there was a guy that was he wrote a story about flying first class and how anybody can fly first class if they devote a lot of time to like scrounging for points and doing all this stuff. This is another point where if you are wealthy, you don't have to spend that time scrounging your points. You can just afford to buy the expensive plane ticket. I also like the point that he made about how once you've gone business class, you can't go back to economy, <laughs> which is funny to me and also like speaks to luxury because I feel like a lot of people that we admire, you know, like scrappy, hardworking people who like came from nothing and made it. But then once you like have a taste of that life and how easy it is, <laughs> you don't want to go back and you'll do anything like game the points system to make it work again. We had a writer named Madison named still named Madison Margolin who wrote a story about luxury weed and just how the rich smoke weed and I thought it was hilarious because I didn't know you could drop that much money on like not even the weed itself but just how to smoke it it was interesting because it wasn't actually making the experience of getting high better it was just that process of hey I'm gonna have like a slightly more tasty edible with organic kale or something involved or have like gold leaf rolling paper um so yeah i think we like luxury we covered quite the spectrum of luxury stories i know that one of the stories that i really liked was actually your story which had to do with this sort of catered meal plan that you signed up for that celebrities such as lena dunham are big fans of tell me about what it was like doing that. Were the meals good? I saw you eating some of them at your desk and some of them looked good and some of them looked repulsive. <laughs> I actually thought they were all good. So, I mean, my story was about what does it look like when we outsource all of our like diet and body decisions to other people? Like, hey, can I pay somebody to just give me the ideal nutrition and taste for a week? Like you said, Lena Dunham uses this and like Victoria's secret model used <laughs> use the same service and yeah the meals were really good but it was just like who wants to be told what to eat all day like who wants to have your meal delivered to you in three boxes every day and I think what I learned was I was saving time I was saving a lot of like decision fatigue of like should I eat this or this or which one's better for me and what do I feel like having now but at the same time I was just kind of like I said this in my piece like I just felt like I was giving the keys of my body to somebody else and being like no you take care of me and that was a very strange thing and I felt like money can't really buy that. Like at the end of the day, like money can't make you feel good <laughs> unless, you know, I mean, in some ways it can, but in some ways it can't. And then when we were talking about the time thing, what I thought was interesting was nobody has time anymore. I was talking to a food scholar um, who works at NYU called Krishnandu Ray, and he was just saying, you know, like on both ends of the spectrum, whether you're rich or poor, you don't have time and you're trying to find time. And that's like some people can afford to like circumvent that with this item. But that's something that we should all be working to figure out is like if all of us at, you know, across the spectrum don't have time to do anything that makes us feel good, what are we doing wrong and what sort of like policy changes and overall changes do we need to look at? It reminded me of a lot. So you and I cover a lot of similar topics in this area as far as like health and food. And I've spoken to nutrition experts and doctors that work with uh, patients with obesity and different problems uh, that people from lower incomes have. And he said, you know, there's 
this misconception that people from lower incomes like just don't know how to eat well like they just don't understand that you're supposed to eat fruits and vegetables which is of course ridiculous it's that sometimes you know if you are working two jobs and you're just trying to make ends meet and maybe you're rushing home at night and you're trying to feed your kids maybe it's easier to pick something up that's already pre-made than it is to now have to cook a whole meal and it's it is this this question of time it's not knowledge or even necessarily accessibility it's time and uh just not everyone can afford the time to be able to do that but if you don't have the time and as you say you have the money then you can always outsource that and just have someone have perfectly catered meals sent to your door i wonder if you had this really nice scene in the story about when it was finally finished and you like were cooking a meal and like how nice that sort of process was do you find that you kind of have a weird appreciation for it now what maybe felt like a chore before is now like a nice moment of like (laughs) self-care i actually have been cooking like double as much as i did after writing that story so maybe i just like learned something from that week also but what i realize is i do have the luxury of time to cook and if i am one of the few people who gets to do that then i'm going to take advantage of it and and be happy that i can do it i wanted to also talk about derek mead's story because it was kind of like mine except the opposite where he learned that money could make his body technically work better like he basically calls it money doping he's a cyclist or kind of an amateur cyclist and he's saying could I just buy my way to be faster can I buy faster bikes and better gear and wear more streamlined clothes and will I just be better even though I don't put any more work into it than I did before and he learned that it was true so (laughs) I thought that was funny and also Almost the opposite of my story. (laughs) One of my favorite things we did during Luxury Week, and you can go on our Facebook and relive this moment, but reporter Jason Kebler went to, which was it the Guggenheim? The Guggenheim has a gold toilet that you can use. And he brought us along for the ride and went and peed in the the gold toilet. You can experience it in first person, (laughs) real time. It was interesting. Uh, He had a bit of trouble making the tinkle but he talked to a lot of people in line actually this is sort of the opposite of like time because everybody was waiting in line to use this gold toilet and it was just kind of this sad weird metaphor for like luxury in america and flushing your time away but that was a fun that was a fun day and it kind of felt like the perfect ending to our luxury week at the end of the day this isn't just all a gold toilet I think we should end on that. It is all a gold toilet. If you want to read more about the stories that we were talking about or check out the video or see Jason peeing in a toilet, just go to motherboard.tv slash luxury dash week. All the stories are up there. There's a lot of really cool stuff to check out. This episode was a production of Motherboard and Vice Media. It was produced and edited by Tim Barnes.